Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. This is Unnecessary Roughness. You got to score points to win. You can't win without scoring points. Touchdown Raiders! He went right through the line and gives Vegas a touchdown to extend the lead. Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. Here's your boy Q. And here we go, Raider Nation. Another day back in the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. My man, Damon Cotton, your boy Q, rocking with you for the next three hours. Excited about the show that we have. Excited about the show that we have each and every day coming off the heels of the JT The Brick Show. And, of course, that followed up the morning tailgate. Clay Baker, Heidi Fang, and Vinny Bonsignor led us off this morning. So, again, very excited about the opportunity we have to share the microphone and share the airways with you for the next three hours. Of course, get your feedback both on the don'tbebroke.com text sign at 69187, keyword r and our phone lines at 702-365-9200. Has some really good guests coming up on the show today. Hopefully everyone had a really good Valentine's Day. Hopefully everyone had a really safe Valentine's Day. I went out to a nice little restaurant. We had some folks in town from uh, Texas. My, my boy John Smith was in town and, and my man Otis was in town And so they always invite us out to the nice restaurant Matter of fact, last year for Valentine's Day DeMond, if you remember, we went out to what? Capitol Grill? I think that, that is, that's the spot, right? Capitol Grill? Yep, yep That was the spot that they took us to last year This year, we went into uh, the Venetian And we're at what? Uh, Smith and what, Wellington? Is that the Smith and... Smith and Wesson? <laughs> yeah, I was. Uh, you were the one there. I know, I know. I don't was remember. Was a steakhouse? Yeah, yeah, man. You know, you, you can always get me at a steakhouse, right? If anybody ever says, Q, we're going to go to this steakhouse, I'm like, good, I'm there, right? And so we went out there, uh, had a really good time, and just was able to hang out with some friends and family that were uh, in town from Texas anyway. So uh, that's what it was for us. So hopefully uh, everyone had a good day, and everyone's back rocking and rolling and doing what they do. And like I said, very excited about the show that we have for you lined up. For the next three hours, some guests that we have coming up. Oh, you, you saw Smith the and Walensky? Yeah, there you go. All right. I knew it was a Smith and <laughs> there W. There we go. I knew it was a Smith and W because I the whole time, you know why I can't remember the last name? is because all I could think of is Smith because my buddy John Smith. So the whole night I kept telling him, like, you, you took us here because it has your name on it, right? But, Devon, you know I'm a big bone-in ribeye guy, right? Like, mm-hmm. that's my end-all, be-all. If I can get a bone-in ribeye, I'm good, which I did, of course. I got the bone-in ribeye. But they have a steak, it's like a tomahawk that swings. It's on some kind of a hook, and it just kind of swings back and forth, swings back and forth, and they it's almost like they, I don't want to say grill it right in front of you, but it's like they torch it right in front of you, right? It was kind of cool. And I don't know what was going on at this table across from us because we I felt pretty pretty good that we ordered a good amount of food, right? It was six of us. So I felt like we had a pretty, you know, pretty good table full of food. These people across from us, Damon, and it couldn't have been more than five or six of them, Somehow they had this swinging like tomahawk, and they ended up ordering like six of them because they kept saying they were like, "Well, you know, if you order that, you can share it with somebody." So at first I thought about doing it, and then I saw the price, and I was like, "Nah, probably not." Right? So I decided to change my mind. Well, this table across from us had two at one time, and then all of a sudden they had two more. So 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 my buddy Otis was like, "Oh wow, they ordered another round." So they had four, right? So I'm thinking that's a lot, but okay. You know, who am I to judge how much someone eats? So I'm like, okay, cool. Then all of a sudden, they came around with round three. So they had six of those bad boys. And at that point, Damon, I started judging. <laughs> right? I wasn't going to judge them at first. But once they got the number six, oh, yeah, I was judging. And I respect it. I just know I can't eat that. I ate 
so much, I didn't even get to the mac and cheese and the Brussels sprouts. I had to take that home. Like, that's going to be part of a dinner tonight when I get to the house, <laughs> right? I couldn't even eat the other part. I'm but, looking at the menu right now, and I do not see the uh, swinging tomahawk, but I am looking at the uh, signature USD, per, USDA prime dry-aged bone-in ribeye. Is it the Cajun one? Oh, no, that's the, those are add-ons, so you can get, they also have the steak one. enhancements. Yeah, I got the Cajun one. That's the Man. one, that, that's, that's how I got down. The Cajun bone-in ribeye. It was it was really good. <laughs> Let's just put it like that. It was really good. I'm curious about how the coffee and cocoa rub would be on a steak. Um, I think it's really good. I didn't get that, but John's wife, Elisa, did. Mm. So and she didn't complain, right? If it had been bad, she'd have been like, Yeah, this isn't very good. So there's that. So anyway, that was our active night that we had last night. But uh, like I said, the most important thing is that everyone had a good time and everybody was safe and they're back doing what they do. Uh, I'll tell you right now, man, just the wife woke up thinking about the, the dinner that we had the night before. She was like, man, I'm getting sleepy just thinking about the food that we had the, the night before. So uh, that's kind of you catch get the case of the itis. But we don't have the itis on the show here today. Uh, we got a lot to get to. Coming up at 2.30, our good friend Paul Gutierrez from ESPN. He's going to join the show and uh, talk about building the team. Right, is the off season one of the most important off seasons? And I feel like I've said that probably I said that when the Raiders had the three first round picks, when they had traded Khalil Mack and they had all those draft picks. I thought that that was a huge uh, off season for them, and obviously a huge draft. I feel like this this off season is huge, really huge, because this is either going to make the franchise or it's going to break the franchise. If it goes well, then things are going to go good. If it gets you know on the right track, all's good. But if it doesn't, if there is two or three bad decisions made, two or three bad moves made, whether it's in free agency, the draft, or both, then all of a sudden you're looking up wondering, well, what the hell just happened? Right? And as many people as I talked to, and, you know, it was funny. I was walking around the Venetian and ran into a couple people that recognized us from uh, Allegiant Stadium when we do the show there. And they're like, hey, Q, da da da, start talking. Of course, what's the first conversation? The offseason. How big is the offseason? Went and saw uh, Dr. Jen and Dr. Andy today. What was the first conversation? Off-season. Like, it's all full-throttle off-season. It's like, hey, how you doing? Well, what about that team, right? <laughs> and I don't blame them. I don't blame them because that's how stinking important this off-season is. Are people bringing up defense or quarterback first? It's quarterback always is first. Mm-hmm. Quarterback is always first, but then it's always with the caveat. But, but wait, how do you continue to build the team at the same time? If you do this, that, and the other— Right. Then do you have enough capital? Do you have enough salary cap? I had one guy hit me up and say, Q, the Raiders only have about 50 million dollars in salary cap. They can't build their their team that way. And I was like, well, they're not supposed to. You're not supposed to build it just through free agency. If you do that, that's a terrible recipe. That's a recipe for disaster. The way to build the team, ideally, in an ideal world, is build first through the draft, fill a couple holes here and there in free agency and maybe make a trade or here or there if you need to. But it's, I mean, the, really, the way successful teams build teams that will last, you've got to hit on the draft. You just can't. I know a lot of times it's been ignored. I know a lot of times people say, oh, well, the Raiders have never done that well in the draft. That's fine. That's got to change. If you want to be able to sustain success in the NFL, there's a reason why they have the NFL draft. You have to be able to hit on some of those picks consistently and be able to put talent in the cupboard. So I'll tell you, no matter where I go, that's the first conversation. As soon as someone sees my jacket, oh, Radio Nation Radio 920, what you going to do with the quarterback position, right? I mean, you saw Radio <laughs> Row. Yeah. Was that not the conversation? Every time. What y'all going to do? And it's so funny because it's like, I don't I don't have any say. What y'all going to do with the quarterback position? Like people, people, It's almost like we had to have the, the right answer at that, at that time on Radio Row, and, and obviously we don't know. 
Yeah, and it all depends on, I know people don't want to hear it, but Aaron Rodgers, because every team out there that's neat, that's looking for a quarterback, they are going to take that swing whenever he lets it be known. What if, he's going to do. Yeah, if he even wants it to be, even if he wants to be traded. So, yeah, that's going to be the first domino to fall. So then we'll have a better idea when he leaves that darkness retreat. Right, exactly. It's so funny. Uh, Dr. Jen today was was calling it like Groundhog Day, right, when the groundhog <laughs> comes out, <laughs> which was funny, which is funny, right? you know, because everyone's got their jokes on it now, and, and she even brought up a point. She's like, do we even know that he's really in a dark in a dark place? How, how do we know he's just not at the house chilling? Like, he wouldn't lie about this. I mean, why would, <laughs> why would he do something made for TV, right? So I don't know. But Paul Gutierrez will join us at 2.30 to talk about the Raiders offseason, a very important Raider offseason at 3 o'clock. Mark McMillan, former NFL defensive back, played with the Chiefs, played with the, the Eagles, and also Next Level Chef. Did you get to watch Next Level Chef following the Super Bowl? Uh, no, but I did watch all the clips that Mark put out <laughs> on now his that's Twitter. fire. Yeah. <laughs> I know Mark, it was only the first episode, but come Mark on. Mark almost pulled a Mama Q and burned the kitchen down. And I mean, she didn't really burn the kitchen down. She just maybe, maybe had a, a small, a small little fire in the microwave at one time back in the day. That was, you know, accidents happen in the microwave. Look, look, man, don't judge. Hey, still my mama. Just have to ask a question. <laughs> still my mama. Have to make sure you remember the details. Right. Oh, I got, I got the details. <laughs> but Mark had a nice little fire going in the in, in Gordon Ramsay's kitchen. He also put the, the you know the, the plate up on the on the little uh, pedestal and it fell. So uh, Mark wasn't too happy. So I wonder. One of my first questions. I mean, we're obviously going to talk to him about the Super Bowl. We're obviously going to talk to him about the offseason for the Raiders. But when we talk next level chef with them, I do want to know how much him being you know a, a former NFL player, former you know big time athlete, did it kind of help him when he got when when it really got hot, right? When it really got like I don't know if I could do this. Where all of a sudden it kind of went back to. Take a deep breath and do what you do, right? I'm su- I'm sure that that played a, a little, at least a little bit in the role of him moving on to the next round. And there's another episode of Next Level Chef that's going to be played tomorrow. Yeah, but one thing that didn't help him out that didn't carry over from the playing days where he said he had that 42 inch vertical <laughs> back when he was playing, but he wasn't able to get up there. The hops ain't always there, man. The hops don't last forever, my man. The hops do not last forever. So Mark McMillan will join us coming up at 3 o'clock at 3.30. Paloma Villacana, Fox 5 Sports. She joins us each and every Wednesday around 3.30 to talk all things UNLV. And, DeMond, don't look now. There's a handful of games left in the regular season before the conference tournament. Matter of fact, we actually have tickets to the conference tournament that will be given out today on the show. There's, there's only a handful of games. UNLV has lost two in a row. They only have a handful of games left, and they're not looking too good, my man. Yeah, it's one of those port parts they of the season. They look bad last yeah, they night, look bad. brother. You get swept, but come on, you get swept by this team. You get swept by San Jose. What, what more is there to talk about? It's bad. Coach Kevin Kruger didn't even do his post game show yesterday. Really? Yeah. So that's how you know it's bad when the coach don't even want to talk after the game. There was a like a six or seven minute stretch where they didn't even score. Like that can't happen. You know what I mean? That cannot happen. You've got to be able to get buckets, and they, for some reason, are not getting buckets. They're really struggling. Remember there was a time, it seems like so long ago, UNLV started out 10-0. Mm-hmm. They've only won six games since, and they've dropped 10 since then. When you say it like that, it doesn't even seem real. <laughs> it, di- it doesn't, because I remember there was a point. We were sitting at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center, and I remember uh, Levi Edwards walked in, and, and he asked Adam Hill, he's like, hey, man, is your team, is your team for real? Is your, is your program for real or is this? And he's like, whoa, easy. Take it. Or maybe he said it to Cassie. He said it to, to one of the UNLV alums, either Adam or Cassie. I don't think it was Paul. But it was, somebody, it was somebody that was a UNLV alum. And 
It's like, whoa, man, shots fired, right? I mean, because he, he said, I, I want to root for them, but if they're not for real, I'm not going to do it. So I was like, oh, so you're going to be a, you're going to be the, the bandwagoner. That's what you're saying. Front runner. Man, I, I was ready to. I, I was calling them for them to be ranked, and then they lose to San Diego, not San Diego State. Right. They lost to San Diego, and, man, the wheels have been coming off ever since. No doubt. So Paloma will join us at 3.30. She'll also talk about Super Bowl 58. Uh, I know that her and everyone over at Fox 5 is preparing for the Super Bowl next year, as we are. I mean, I literally had a meeting here in the radio station today, this morning, about Super Bowl 58. So when we say the wheels are in motion— Raider Nation, the wheels are in motion. And then 4 o'clock, we just added right before the show, very excited about this guest, Nick De La Torre, Florida Gator senior writer on 3 Sports, does a fantastic job covering the Gators. We're going to talk Anthony Richardson, right? He's a guy that there's a lot of intrigue because of his upside. A lot of people are talking Cam Newton-ish. Like, you know, he's very Cam Newton-like. Not Cam Newton, but Cam Newton-like. He's got that, that high ceiling, but he's got a lot of work to do. And so I feel like he's probably the biggest question as far as the quarterbacks go in this upcoming draft. So we'll talk to Nick De La Torre coming up at 4 o'clock. We also have some sound that you'll hear from Mel Kuyper Jr. And uh, also Todd McShay. I'm not a big Todd McShay guy, but just breaking down a few players in the draft. And Again, we're focusing on the quarterbacks here. Uh, you'll hear a few sound bites from them, and that's all coming up on the show. We'll have Cover 3 NFL News and Notes at 4.30. So as you can tell, we're locked and loaded. We're going to be very busy on the show. Paul Gutierrez at 2.30, Mark McMillan at 3, Paloma Villacana at 3.30, and Nick De La Torre just added from On3 Sports talking all things Anthony Richardson coming up at 4 o'clock. So now that you know the guests coming up on the show today, let's go ahead and jump into the opening drive. The opening drive of Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920 is brought to you by Southern Nevada Chevy Dealers, home of the Chevy Silverado, the strongest, most advanced Silverado ever. So yesterday while I was driving around, I was uh, listening to uh, ESPN National on our sister station, ESPN Las Vegas, and I heard some of Shane Steichen's press conferences, opening press conferences. He's the former UNLV quarterback. See how I bring it all back home? He's the former UNLV quarterback. He's 37 years old, announces the new head coach of the Indianapolis Colts on Tuesday. He made UNLV Rebel history by being the first former UNLV football player to be named a head coach in the NFL, which is great. But he's a guy that has been given the, 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 I don't want to say praise, that's too high of a word, but he's been given the, the flowers for developing guys like Justin Herbert, Jalen Hurts, you know, not developing uh, uh, Phillip Rivers, but working with him really well. So he's, he's, he knows what, it comes, when it, what he's talking about when it comes to quarterbacks. So he was asked in the opening presser about traits that he's looking for in quarterbacks. And I found this to be very intriguing to the point where I did a, a segment on the podcast about it, but I wanted to bring it here because I wanted to know what Raider Nation thinks about traits to a, a rookie quarterback. Like, what are you looking for? So let's hear from Shane Steichen. He's the new Colts head coach on what he believes you need to have in a quarterback. Yeah, I think accuracy, uh, decision-making, and the ability to create are the three things that uh, I look at in a quarterback. Um, I think those all three things are very important, but obviously above the neck. I think the, you know, the players that I've been around, Jalen Hurts and Justin Herbert and Phillip Rivers, uh, they all have one thing in common. They're obsessed with their craft. Uh, and if you can find that uh, in a quarterback, you're probably going to have some success. And I've talked about that obsession. I've talked about that to, to a point where I get blue in the face or, or people think I'm trying to be disrespectful to someone else. Oh, you're, not, you're saying that he doesn't care about enough? No, no. Everyone cares to a certain extent, but who's obsessed? I even say that about my own son. I think my son is really good at basketball. I don't think he's obsessed with basketball, right? He's not one of those guys that's going to live in the gym 24-7. He's not, and that's okay. That's not for everybody, right? I'm obsessed with this job. 
which is probably a problem. But I do it anyway, right? I'm obsessed with putting out a great product every single day. That's that's just what separates the 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 good from the greats, right? The greats are the ones that like Kobe Bryant was obsessed with being the dude. We know guys like Jalen Hurts. We we knew what he was coming out of college. You know how how he improved his skill? He's obsessed with it. He's obsessed with being that guy. So that's one of the things that stands out to me. But I love what he said. Accuracy, decision-making, and ability to create really stands out as well. And that's something we go back to when we talk about the quarterback position. You really got to have that ability to create. You've got to have that ability. When things break down, you've got to be able to create something. What did we see on Sunday in the Super Bowl? We saw Patrick Mahomes create something when need be. Right? Even though he had a bum ankle, you knew he was going to find a way to create something. If it was roll out the pocket, if it was just on the move, uh, you know, set the ball up for someone so they had an opportunity to make a pass, if it was run and, and pick up 24 yards and set them up for a, a, a game-winning field goal or whatever the case may be, he had no problem creating. In the AFC West, you've seen Justin Herbert create stuff. When it's not there, he creates. Russell Wilson, he made a living in Seattle creating all the time. He doesn't do that quite as much anymore. But he did. So these are some traits. When he said that, it was like a big, a big light bulb went off in my head. Like, ding! That's exactly what I think the Raiders need to be looking for in their next quarterback. A guy who's obviously accurate. And that's, that's I mean, that's first and foremost when you talk about a quarterback, right? You don't want it, it's, to. It's, I find it hard to believe that you could train or you could teach accuracy. So accuracy is great. Decision making also. Like, it's good to believe in yourself, but you also have to know when to, to live the fight another day. So there's a fine line. You know, some people say, I want to see a gunslinger. Well, do you? I mean, and look, I'll use Josh Allen for an example. Josh Allen makes some really good decisions until he doesn't. This past year, how many times did Josh Allen turn the ball over and you just kind of scratch your head like, what the hell just happened? Why did, why did he do that? So he trusts himself so much, which is a good thing. You want him to trust himself. But he trusts himself so much that sometimes he gets himself in trouble. But then again, like I said, that ability to create that obsession, that's what I want to see in the next Raiders quarterback, whoever that is. If that's a veteran, if that's a rookie, so be it. But that's the criteria for me. So the question I ask you, what traits do you value in a quarterback? Like what qualities? We had a call yesterday from, I think, Raider 27 maybe. I think he called and said that he was kind of old school where he, he, he prefers a pocket passer. But at the same time said, I think that now the way the quarterback position is evolving, you've got to have a guy that's willing and able to use his legs. So even though even your most traditional type guy who wants to see a guy sit in the pocket and just bing, 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 the ball around the yard, I think we all kind of realize that nowadays you have to have a guy willing and able, not just able, but willing. Because some guys are athletic enough, they're just not willing to do it. They're not willing to, you know, it's not, it's not an instinct, so they just kick in and go. It's almost like you have to force them, like push them. So I want to know, what traits do you value in a quarterback? What qualities would you like to see? In the next Raiders QB, again, veteran or rookie, does not matter. Hit us up, 702-365-9200 and don'tbebroke.com. Text line is 69187, keyword R&R. Demond, I'll start with you, man. What, what are you looking for? What traits are you looking for in the next quarterback? Pocket presence, and it doesn't need to be flat-out speed when it comes to mobility, but someone that can move the pocket where they the rush is coming. Can you step up? Can you, get, can you give yourself that little bit of extra time that maybe you don't need? Hey, is this an all-class offensive line? 
Well, maybe you can create that extra second or two for yourself in the pocket and not rely on them. Obviously, the accuracy, you want that arm talent to be there. Those things that you're not going to make it in the NFL if you don't have. Yeah. But I do think that even more than decision making where, hey, maybe you shouldn't have thrown that throw. Maybe it was a bad throw. You're trying to fit into tight coverage. But for me, the pocket presence to know how to move about and avoid the pressure. Okay. All right. I like it. I like it. That's good stuff right there. That's DeMond with his uh, traits that he's looking for in the next quarterback. Again, Shane Steichen, the new head coach of the uh, the Indianapolis Colts, said accuracy, decision-making, ability to create an obsession. Also having that obsession with the craft. And I, I love it. I'm all aboard on that. Geesmo hit us up on the don'tbebroke.com text line 69187, keyword R&R. Q, can we add a fourth trait for the Raiders quarterback? I'm talking about that chip-on-the-shoulder swagger, which is why I'm not mad at all at the Baker Mayfield talk. He's got the traits. Is a Heisman winner, first draft pick, playoff game winner, and he smoked us right off of hopping off the airplane in L.A. And you know what? I'm not a big Baker Mayfield fan. I'm really not. And I know when Mike Florio told us that on Radio Row on last Friday, I knew I was kind of like, eh. But to Gizmo's point, he does have those traits, and he does have that chip-on-the-shoulder swagger, and I've never, ever been mad at someone with a chip on the shoulder because I got the biggest chip on my shoulder, and I wear it with pride. Yeah, and exactly. And then you see with Cleveland, he didn't act, he didn't do a bad job, as Mike Florio said on Friday. He tried he hurt his shoulder yeah. by chasing down a tackle, probably something he shouldn't have done. And then he was trying to fight through the rest of the season with a bad shoulder. And then in Carolina, we saw that they rolled out three or four quarterbacks and right. no one was able to get the job done for them. So maybe it is just that Baker May then Baker Mayfield rehabilitation season that he needs. I mean it could be, right? And it's a guy that nobody's talking about, right? We're all talking about the usual suspects. We're talking about Rodgers. We're talking about Jimmy G. We're talking about, you know, maybe a, like a Jacoby Brissett or something like that. Uh, but maybe maybe that's a, a guy that's on the radar that we don't even know about. And so I think that that's a very valid text right there. We do appreciate that. One more quick text. Anthony Richardson is the guy. This is from the, I think, the 510. Yeah, it is. The 510. Great pocket presence. Accurate when throwing from a solid base. Coaching can help that be consistent. Top tier elite athleticism and arm strength. Good at reading the field, even from a tight pocket. Okay. All right, we'll do some research. Like I said, we have Nick De La Torre, uh, Florida Gator senior writer on, on 3 Sports, joining us at 4 o'clock. We'll ask about that pocket presence. We'll ask about his upside. We'll ask about you know what he needs to do, how he needs to grow. We'll do all that. So I definitely appreciate that text. But 702-365-9200, let's go out to the phone lines. Who we got up first, Devon? Stove. Stove, welcome to the show, brother. What's on your mind? To the desert. Well, the other desert. You, you guys did an exceptional job in, in Phoenix. It was really a great... Great, great listen. But uh, uh, I want to talk about something in a moment. But to answer your question, the number one thing I'm looking for is somebody who can extend the play. The reason that Raider Nation is even open to the idea of Jared Stidham being a quarterback is the touchdown he threw to Devontae Adams where he extended the play against the Niners and, and, and then found Devontae Adams and hit him for that long touchdown. Um, without getting too deep into the car bashing here, it was getting really tired of watching him spike the ball into the ground or float the ball out of bounds or, dare I say, fourth and goal, throwing it out of the back of the end zone. He's got to, the next quarterback has to be able to extend plays. But what I want to talk to you about today, and I'm, and I'm kind of titling this Yesterday, Today, and Tomorrow. <laughs> yesterday, of course, with the news of, of Derek Carr, you know, just a couple of things that come to mind for me. Once we found out, that the asking price was was a third-round pick. To be very honest, it really didn't matter if they traded him or not. Yes, of course you'd want a third-round pick. Of course you'd want to trade him instead of uh, you, you know just releasing him. 
but a third-round pick? Who are we going to get? Lynn Bowden? Tanner Muse? <laughs> but what are we doing here? Right? So at the end of the day, once we knew that, it really, it really didn't matter. The thought of, uh, of, of half of this so-called nation believing that the Raiders did him dirty is absolutely insane. They had to bench him with two games to go because if you remember, game number one they benched him for was against the Niners, the best defense in the NFC, and game number two was Kansas City, the Super Bowl champion. If he gets hurt in one of those games, then what's everybody talking about? They're killing Dave Ziegler and Josh McDaniels, which is becoming a a popular game already, unfortunately. Right, right. Now, now I go from yesterday to today. Today's going to last for the next six weeks or so because the guys that I just mentioned, McDaniels and Ziegler, are going to have to spend this time showing that they're the right guys for the job. I definitely believe in them. I, I believe that they, that they are going to be able to take us to the next level. But, but this is their time to really focus on that, whether it's the combine or, or getting ready for free agency and all that. And as it relates to Ziegler, I just don't see why people are killing him. He, he made Josh Jacobs earn his money. He brought in one of the best receivers in the NFL. He stole a potentially starting quarterback for a nothing round pick. He didn't throw stupid money at Jason Jackson when the Raider world was begging for it. My bad. He did draft a few <laughs> keepers with, with no top picks this year. He made a few trades where he got rid of guys he was going to cut to get a draft pick. And, and I don't think you can judge them yet. And that gets to tomorrow. What are we going to do tomorrow? What are we going to do for quarterback this season? It's going to be really interesting to see what the price tag is for Aaron Rodgers. I am hoping Derek Carr goes to New York. A, I hope he goes there so he can see what pressure's really like. B, I hope he goes there because it'll take them away from Aaron Rodgers. And then we'll get a sense. Because if we can make a trade without giving up the number seven overall pick, I think we have to be open to it. And if they're going to ask for seven, then I want to go a different direction and, and, and maybe take a risk on a rookie and, and see where it goes. But uh, the bottom line is we're in a position now to change the franchise for years to come. And any Raider fan that isn't open to that, I think is just blinded by the fact that 20 years has been a miserable run for Raider fans. Okay, great stuff, Stove. Thank you. Very detailed. He talked about yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And, Damon, as we found out in Phoenix, yesterday's price is not today's price. It is not. Great detailed call, and I'm, I'm with you with the whole Dave Ziegler thing. I think he's really done a good job so far. Now, this offseason, though, is massive. He's got to hit in the draft. He's got to hit on the, the, the free agents. And if he has to make a trade or two, how good is it going to be? I thought he did a great job with the Devontae trade, first and a second round pick last year, and then it was over. Nothing lingering into this year. I thought that that was, that was perfect, perfectly played. We'll see what happens this offseason. Stove, thank you for the call. We'll get back to calls and texts, but coming up next, Paul Gutierrez from ESPN. Talk about this offseason. It's Raider Nation Radio 920. That was the opening drive of Unnecessary Roughness here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Brought to you by Southern Nevada Chevy Dealers, home of the Chevy Silverado, the strongest, most advanced Silverado ever.
Now back to Unnecessary Roughness. I'm going to just let that ride out. I feel like I've just entered a whole new arena, a whole new setting, maybe even a ring. Maybe I have a belt around my waist. Maybe I'm throwing my hands out there and, and trying to get the crowd to scream and yell. Too sweet me. To what? Too sweet me. Too sweet me? Yeah, Wolfpack. All right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that means that we're back on Unnecessary Roughness, Radio Nation Radio 920. When you hear that sound, more importantly, that means that Paul Gutierrez from ESPN <laughs> is joining the show. And, Paul, how was that for an intro right there? I, I like it. We've gone from the DOC to Roddy Roddy Piper's bagpipes to now we got Hollywood Hogan. I'm not sure. If, I, I'm sure Hollywood Hogan was was listening to Jimmy, but I don't know if he was hearing Jimmy. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. You, 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 might, you might listen, but you're not hearing, or you might hear, but you're not yeah. listening. Yeah, there you go. I'm I'm with you right there. That that I'll tell you, that intro threw me off a little bit. I, I knew it was coming, and it still threw me off a little bit, but I'm okay with that. I like it. DeMond switching things up right there, bringing in some, some Hogan sound for the show. And, Paul, uh, you might need Hogan for this offseason, man. This is a... Uh, a very important offseason for the Silver and Black, and this is the first time I know that I've been covering the Raiders that they need a quarterback, right? I mean, I know you've been covering the Raiders for a, a very long time, but I was in Texas. I wasn't covering the Raiders. Yeah. You know, I was just watching them from a distance, and, and, and they've always had a quarterback. They don't now. So when you look at the next quarterback for the, the Raiders, whoever it is, whoever it ends up being, what kind of traits do you think that they need to have to be successful in 2023? Yeah, you're right, Q. I mean, I've been covering this team, quote-unquote, professionally, right, since 2005 when I came up to work for the Sacramento Bee to cover the Raiders from L.A., and the quarterback at that time was Kerry Collins. He was taken over from Rich Gannon. That's how long ago this has been. And, and, you know, through the years, I've been able to cover the team when I was in junior college, when I was in in college at UNLV, things like that. I've seen Todd Marinovich's professional debut. I've seen Jamarcus Russell's professional debut. I've seen Derek Carr winning the job in the preseason in 2014. So this, and I saw Terrell Pryor make his debut as well. So there's always something kind of interesting about the most important position in team sports. And then when you come to a franchise like the Raiders that have had a Hall of Famer like like Ken uh, Ken Stabler and, and somebody that's as beloved as, as, as Jim Plunkett, and then you get this polarizing figure like Derek Carr it's a unique situation for the quote-unquote new regime to be in because, yeah, there, there's the big, the big whale that's out there with the Aaron Rodgers, and you think that it, might, it was probably Tom Brady before that. But, you know, this is a move that this new regime has to attack, you know, with purpose and with, with a clear vision. And you also wonder what Mark Davis wants to do here as well because he likes to make a splash too. So there's a lot of things at play here, and you have to kind of pull yourself back and say, okay, well, what makes the most sense both – financially, but also realistically going forward because you've still got that monster in the division you got to face twice a year at Patrick Mahomes and the Super Bowl champion Chiefs, too. Yeah, yeah, we just saw that in full display and full throttle on Sunday as they beat the Eagles 38-35. And you put out a piece on the .com, on ESPN.com, with Derek Carr released, which quarterbacks could the Raiders add? Here are their options. Before we get into that, what are your, your feelings when it comes to rookie quarterbacks if they're drafted in the top 10? Like, how quickly should they be ready to play? Well, if they're in the top ten, they should be ready to play right away, right? I mean, mm-hmm. that's that's just the, where the league is now. But you and I, man, we're, we're old enough to remember when John Elway was the number one pick yep. in '83, in that great '83 draft class, and he sat for a little while and watched. Um, you know, and, and when other guys were, were you know top ten picks and they had to sit and watch, 
it's a different world because if you drafted somebody that high, you're putting so much into that person. You need them to play right away. Not only just play right away, but play well. What's unique about this situation, like I mentioned, you know the owner, Mark Davis, wants to make a splash. He wants to win. He wants to do something big. But then you got a coach and a GM entering year two together. And really, it's if you think about it, it's year one under their own plan. Right. Because, yeah, they did give Derek Carr the, the extension last offseason, but it was kind of a prove-it extension. And, you know, by, by all estimations, he didn't prove it to him. That's why he's gone. Right. And, and you kind of go from there. So, and then you kind of learn from past mistakes too, right? So when you look, when you're Josh McDaniels and you look back and, and you don't want history to repeat itself because he got rid of an established veteran in Denver the last time he was a head coach and then he drafted Tim Tebow, that <laughs> didn't work out so well. So right. and, and Josh, you know, to his credit has said that he's grown up a lot and, and he's matured as a coach and as a people person and everything else too. So you just got to sit and wait and figure okay, what makes the most sense. And as you referenced my article, it seems like they're at a fork in the road. Mm-hmm. And you go the big, the, the you either go one way where it's the big fish, which is Aaron Rodgers. You go down the middle, which is kind of like, okay, this is kind of a gateway kind of a guy here, like a Jimmy G type thing, or even a Jared Stidham after that, or or you go all in with the with the rookie, with whoever you can, because if you that number seven pick, I don't think any of those top three guys will still be there. I don't either. CJ Stroud seems, yeah, and CJ Stroud seems to be the guy that would fit into this system because if Jared Stidham showed us anything last year, is that you kind of need that template of, you need somebody who knows the offense because Jared looks better in those two games that he started, more comfortable anyway, than Derek did in 15. Right. So there's something to be said about that. And that's where Jimmy Garoppolo check, Mark, you know, checks that box, even though it's been since 2016 since he's been with, with uh, Josh McDaniels. Aaron Rodgers, Hall of Fame talent, Hall of Famer, obviously, first out Hall of Famer, but there's a lot of baggage that kind of comes with him too <laughs> with kind of the off-the-field stuff and the mysticism and all, just kind of the general... I don't want to say weirdness or bizarreness because that can be taken as a negative, but right. there's just stuff that comes with Aaron Rodgers as well. Yeah, it's 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 definitely different, right? To say the least, it's definitely different as he's in a dark somewhere right now. I don't know where he's at. It feels like solitary confinement, but he's he's doing something, right? He's 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 getting yeah. his mind right. So Paul Gutierrez from ESPN is our guest here on Raider Nation Radio 920 Unnecessary Roughness. Demond's got one for you. If the Raiders were to strike out with Aaron Rodgers, I want to propose this to you. The rookie quarterback route, people are saying, hey, you don't want someone unproven. The Bears are sitting there, and they could just restart the clock. What do you think if the Raiders were to make a trade for Justin Fields mm. and have him be the starting quarterback next year? Yeah, that, that's, that's, that's intriguing. But if you're going to go that route, why not go Lamar Jackson? Then? Because he's already an established guy who's been, a, been an MVP. It would come a lot more expensive, obviously. But with Justin Fields, his contract is going to come up pretty soon, too. And all you're doing is kind of kicking the can down the road with that. And, uh, you know, I'm not saying this is it, but if the template's already kind of been laid by Jared Stidham, and, and what he did, he knows the offense. He, it's the only offense he's ever known in, right. in the NFL, right? So to me, that's kind of where you need to start. I, you know, I, I'm not saying, oh, don't do that. Um, I'm not going to say anything because I really, who's going to listen to me? I'm just kind of observing and trying to make educated guesses here and there. But it, it's intriguing. There's no doubt it's intriguing because he does like to make, he does like to move the pocket. He does like to extend plays. And that's something we saw Jared do in those two games that Derek didn't do before that opens up the offense. So, you know, if you're in that Raider locker room, you're you're Devontae Adams, would you rather have Justin Fields come in who doesn't know the offense and is starting at square one or just even for cheaper than that, re-sign Jared Stidham who already knows the offense, um, is going to get a little bit of bump and pay from what he did last year because he's a free agent. But also, remember that big hit he took down the sideline 
when he delivered that that strike to to Devontae for the touchdown, not only did he win over a lot of fans with that play by showing and extending it, he won over Devontae by taking that hit and greeting him on the sidelines with a bloody mouth, as Devontae told us later that mm-hmm. week. So it's, it's, again, you're weighing the two things. And, yeah, there's this big, bright, shiny thing over here, but you might already have something kind of that you can shut that you can shine up yourself in, in somebody like a Jared Stidham. In your educated opinion, do you think that the Raiders could be a playoff contender? Obviously, they had some pieces on the defense. Would Jared Stidham as a starting quarterback? I don't see why not. I mean, if you look at the two games that he played, he played. He he gave an early scare to the to the eventual Super Bowl champions and the Chiefs, and and he should have beaten the team that probably should have been in the Super Bowl in the Forty ers You know, if he doesn't get bumped. And, and again, this is the biggest word in the English language, right, guys? Right. If he doesn't get bumped and that ball flips, uh, flutters out and gets picked up, Devontae was breaking free. I, he may have hit him for, for a walk-off against the number one defense in the NFL. And how stunning would that have been in his <laughs> first ever start? So, so yeah, I, you know, there's pieces there. I mean, this again, we forget, they were all pros on this offense. You know, Devontae and Josh Jacobs, who they still have to resign as well. And then you got, you know, a, a, a transcendent-type player at least getting there in Max Crosby. And, yeah, they, they need to firm a lot of things up. They need to address things. They could take that $40 million they're saving uh, on Derek Carr and address it on, on the defense. You know, the, the, that offensive line wasn't as bad as we thought it was going to be, guys. Right. And, yeah, Jarrett Stidham did what he did behind that same exact offensive line. So um, can they be? Sure. Why not? Will they be? Well, that's why they played the games. And, and it's tough. It's you know, you're going to go all in with a guy who played two games. And the one thing that I will say about Jared was how great he looked against the 49ers. Yeah, it was muted. It was muffled a lot against the Chiefs. But any of us that were in the locker room that week saw how swollen and discolored Jared's right arm was, the passing arm. Yep. And the fact that he was able to get anything off that day showed, again, won over a lot of people in that locker room. No, he really did. That's something that I can agree with 100%. And every player to a T said that they kind of expected that from Jarrett. Like, that's just the kind of guy that he is. So, yeah, you're right. He won that locker room over uh, for sure. Let me ask you this, because this name has been thrown at us, and I really didn't have it on my radar, but what would you think about Baker Mayfield? Is that a guy that you see on the radar at all? Same thing. I mean, at what cost? Right. You know, it, 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 it's a bigger name. It's a shinier object, but he doesn't know this offense. Right. And I hate to keep going back to that because I make it too simplistic, right? But I'm just going off of what we saw. We saw how much better this offense looked with somebody at the controls that knew the offense and extended plays and, and rolled out and took a big hit. That's not a shot at Derek at all. It's right. just stating the fact of what we saw in those last two games. So would you rather, you know, Baker Mayfield, who's going to command a much larger salary than a Jared Stidham? Uh, you know, I could see you wanting to pay somebody like an Aaron Rodgers or even a Tom Brady if he hadn't retired big money because of what, what they represent. Again, if, if you're going to pay those two guys the same, okay, take a shot at it. But it's, it, it's interesting. And, and we're in the season now where, where it's all speculation and who fits here, who fits there. You know, and then you go back and you kind of look at what, what Josh McDaniels did his last go round as a head coach, and what, what uh, Dave Ziegler wants to do as a GM, and, and you just figure they you get the sense that they would like things to just kind of calm down a little bit, and let's just run this team. And the Chiefs winning the Super Bowl and being in the division and having to play those guys twice a year, I wonder how that affects their preparation going forward. Obviously, Mark Davis wants to win; he always wants to win. 
Um, but there's also got to be some realistic expectations as well. Yeah, I agree. And I'll tell you, man, this offseason is going to be massive. I just believe that this is such an important uh, offseason for the Silver and Black. One of the most important offseasons in a long time outside of when they had the multiple first-round draft picks that clearly didn't work out in their favor either. Uh, let me ask you this. Uh, as far as the draft goes, how important is it that Dave Ziegler starts establishing a hitting in the draft and, and, and being consistent in the draft as other franchises across the league are, something that the Raiders haven't done in quite a while? Well, yeah, I mean, that, that's the lifeblood of any organization, right, is the draft. And, and mm. the draft, as we all know, it, and as Tom Flores used to tell me all the time, it's a crapshoot. I mean, I go back to one of my favorite stories in 1982 when Tom Flores was the head coach and Al Davis is in L.A. in court and they got to find him on a payphone to come out of the courtroom and say, hey, man, we want to draft this certain running back. Half the room wanted Barry Redden. The other half wanted some Heisman Trophy winner from L.A. and USC, Marcus Allen. Thankfully, same heads prevailed, and they drafted Marcus Allen. <laughs> uh, you know, it, that's, that's what the draft is. Yep. With the Raiders having as many, uh, to, you know, with the comp picks, when they come in, they could have as many as 11 picks. This is time for him to make his bones and, and go forward from here. It's, it, it's almost like, like hitting reset. Like last year was just kind of the prove-it thing. Mm-hmm. Now is the reset. I'm sure Mark Davis doesn't want to hear that. He wants to win now. Um, but you know, again, realistic expectations. This is when Dave Ziegler needs to and wants to make his bones. And when you got a number seven overall pick, if they fall in love with CJ Stroud, you know, he may, they may have to give up more to move up to get him than they would actually have to give up in a trade for Aaron Rodgers. Right. So it's just real intriguing to see what do you want to do? What do you see as your future? And you go from there. And that's all you can do. <laughs> and that's all you can do. And we'll be along for the ride, Paul. It should be interesting. Uh, of course, the Combine's coming up. Free agency's coming up. Then the draft. And, oh, boy, it's going to be something. So uh, ESPN.com, what do you got coming out that we should be on the lookout for? Yeah, see, and, and, and just when you thought I was out, you pulled me back in, so to speak. <laughs> but it's, you know, Derek Carr, yes, he's gone. But it's just this big question. I mean, I've covered Derek in one way or another since his since, I want to say freshman, since his rookie season with the Raiders in 2014. And just what is this complicated legacy, this complicated, convoluted, everything else about it? Because you look at the stats and, and you, you look at this, you look at that, it's like, huh, what's not the like? You know, the completion percentage, all the comeback wins. But then you look at the win-loss record. Mm-hmm. You look at the loss of, uh, you know, not a single playoff win in nine years. Uh, the, the two extensions that he signed, you know, what is the legacy? And to me, it's been the same thing all along, the most polarizing player uh, in franchise history because his fans adore him, his detractors abhor him. And right. there's really nothing in between. And yet he still was kind of like he represented consistency over a dark stretch of years. But at the end of the day, what did you get from that? I don't know. So that's my next big piece is just trying to, to reach out to different people throughout Raiders history, whether they were teammates uh, old school guys that watched and, and, and what did they see as well? Because I think everybody is going to, you know, beauty's in the eyes of the beholder, mm-hmm. but also, you know, um, familiarity breeds contempt as well. So there was that too, while Athens makes the heart grow fonder. So it, it's all of it. It's the yin and the yang. It's, it's, it's polarizing. It's, what was the, the complicated, convoluted legacy of Derek Carr? I think there's going to be a whole lot of different answers when it comes to that, when you do that research on that piece. That yeah. is one that I definitely, definitely look forward to. <laughs> so there you definitely. go. That's going to be good. Well, Paul, thanks so much, my man. Like I said, a busy offseason. It'll be a fun offseason because, well, we'll stay busy. We always appreciate you, brother. 
Always. Hey, and Damon, I got beef with you, man, because ever since I came on and you said UNLV Hoops was a, was an NCAA tournament team, man, they were 10-0 at that time, I believe. Now yep. look at that record. That's 6 and 10 cents. Yep. on you. Yeah, it is. Hey, great point, Paul. I brought that up to start the show. <laughs> I'm wearing my UNLV hoodie today, man. <laughs> yes, he is. I'm, I'm repping the brand. Yeah, well, maybe the brand give me, needs give to... Give me a Rebels. Give me one of those. We're good. Rebels! Oh, jeez. We're going to let him go. Paul, we got to go. Appreciate you, brother. <laughs> he goes, can't believe you, Damon. They were 10-0, and, and now they're not. And now, well, we all know the wheels have fallen off. It's all your fault. We found we found the source. I won't open my mouth again. We found the source. 250 is the time. Many thanks to Paul. We appreciate him. This is Red Nation Radio 920. It's unnecessary roughness with your boy Q on Raider Nation Radio. Big thanks to Paul Gutierrez from ESPN. Join us in the last segment. Talk about this Raiders offseason. Such a bit easy offseason that they have. Coming up at the top of the hour, Mark McMillan, former NFL defensive back. Play with the Chiefs, play with the Eagles. Also is on Next Level Chef. He might have had a fire in the kitchen on the first episode. So we'll talk to him about that. Talk to him about what he's got cooking up, no pun intended, on the, tomorrow's episode, which is the second episode of Next Level Chef. So we'll keep, keep up to date with what's going on with Mark McMillan. But the question that we threw out there to you, what traits do you value in a quarterback? What qualities would you like to see for the Raiders' next signal caller, whoever that may be? Accuracy, decision-making, ability to create that's what Colts head coach Shane Steichen said that he wants in his next quarterback. And when I heard that, I thought, that's exactly what you're supposed to have. He also mentioned having an obsession for the trait, for having an obsession for being that guy. I would love to see that as well. Someone just obsessed, almost to a, a point where it's almost sick, obsessed with, with, with being an NFL quarterback. There's nothing wrong with that, being obsessed with what you do. I like it. Mailman Raider said, Q, a couple traits I look for is vision and football IQ. I was the biggest Peyton Manning guy pre-Broncos. When he went there, I had some words for him. I won't say, but his ability to break down a defense, see what was coming before it was coming was something I'd like to see in a quarterback. Regardless, whoever the next quarterback is, though, I hope he could bring Raider Nation back together. With Carr, it seemed like I argue with Raider Nation more than opposing fan bases. Amen, brother. (laughs) Amen. You and me both. And it's funny because I never argued. It was just like, yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah. It's like it's, it's, it's just in, in observing it, it just seems like, and I said this the other day on my podcast, it seems like there's just been a big divide down the middle of Raider Nation. And the one thing I loved growing up and one of the biggest reasons why I was a Raider fan was because I'd go to that Coliseum and I knew that I had 65,000 family members. I knew that I had 65,000 family members that I would hug, high-five, you know, break bread with, drink with, whatever the case may be, because we were all on the same page. And now you go and you look, and it's like, you suck, but you suck. You're cool. You su-. you know what I mean? It's just like, what in the hell? <laughs> I, w- I can't wait for Paul to put out that piece, yeah. because I would also like to see, what year did this start where it was just the divide? Of I, just, man, oh, man. I don't know, but he's right when he said yes. that he's probably the most polarizing player in Raiders history, which is insane thinking of all the greatness that the Raiders have had in franchise history, but that's what it is. So, Mailman Raider, thank you for that. And I'll say this. Peyton Manning, I obviously was never a Colts fan, but when Peyton Manning would get to the line of scrimmage and he started doing this, yo, 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 you know, he started pointing and everything, and wait, hold up, hold up, hold up. Omaha, Omaha, yeah, yeah, like, come on. I always knew something bad was about to happen for the defense, <laughs> right? I'm like, oh, damn, oh, damn. 
buckle up, something bad's about to happen, man. He started doing all that and started reading it, and that goes back to Mailman Raider's text where he's like, he could read it and knew what was coming before it happened. That's greatness, and that's why he's a Hall of Famer. Let's go out to the phone lines real quick, get Tim in Texas. Welcome to the show. What's on your mind, brother? Hello, how you guys doing? We're blessed. Um, I was going to piggyback and kind of agree with one of the callers uh, earlier because I said the same thing uh, when it came to car. I don't understand why come all these people on ESPN and whatever other networks were talking about how bad that the Raiders did him and blah, 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 and all this kind of stuff. I mean, and I said the same thing. We're playing the two best, two of the best teams in the NFL, two of the three best teams in the NFL in the last two games. The 49ers got the best defense. And, 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 and could probably hurt this dude. Of course, they had, if they was already made up their mind, they had to do what they had to do to get him up out of there because he probably would have got hurt. And, or, you know, or he was more likely to maybe get hurt. But uh, also, I do believe, uh, and I always say, really said this in a long time because I didn't, I didn't really believe, even though I liked Gruden first time around, I didn't really believe in Gruden when he came back. Uh, after I seen the changes that he made with Crabtree and bringing in the other dude, the wide receiver from Green Bay, and getting rid of Khalil Mack, and I, I well, once he kind of got, once he got, did that, and then even uh, our punter that we had, our punter that I love that, hell, we probably wouldn't have won five or six of the games without him that year, the, the year before that. But anyway, uh, I do have faith in the in the people that we got now, and I know we just in a really bad spot. Uh, as far as trying to get a quarterback. Derek, that's one thing about Derek Carr. He always did well enough to keep us from getting a top quarterback in the draft. <laughs> but also, uh, my what I look for in a quarterback is uh, is uh, the same thing like, okay, you uh, like Derek McFadden. Derek McFadden. You look at Derek McFadden. As good as Derek – he, he reminds me of Derek Carr. As good as Derek McFadden was uh, talent-wise, he didn't have – his vision was all, was terrible. I'm talking about he didn't have no vision. You put Michael Bush in there, you, uh, you see the difference. That, uh, you know, but the thing with Carr is, Carr is good, but he just, he just ain't that dude. I want somebody like Aaron Rodgers or somebody that when, when, when we got that ball with two minutes left, I already know that nine times out of ten, we're going to win it. That's the kind of quarterback that I want. There it is. Tim in Texas, thank you for the call from the Lone Star State. My man, I do appreciate you. 259 is the time. We're up against it. Mark McMillan, former NFL defensive back, will join us next as we kick off hour number two of the show. It's Red Nation Radio 920.